actually, wait, let me move my mic up a little so it's actually, like, near my face. Get it in its high chair, and by high chair, actually, I mean proximity builder booster. Actually, I'll just lower myself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't think we're lowering ourselves at all to talk about these books. I think they have a surprising amount of meat Oh, no, bones. I feel... We're not debasing ourselves with animorphs. <laughs> this is highbrow. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to Morph Club, <laughs> episode 20. We just read Animorphs book 17, The Underground. I'm Megan. Uh, <laughs> That's who I am. We did read The Underground, and I'm Carrie. And the book was about Rachel, but also about all of these teens kind of falling to pieces. I kind of oh, no. really worried about them after this one. I also just dunked part of my notes in water. Oh, no. But I think I'm good. Um, yeah, these kids are having a bad time. Yep. And I'm upset for them. Me too. Ooh. This book, this is a weird book. Um, this was the oatmeal book. I was right. You were. That's I all that I remember. Way far in the future, but the only thing I remembered from this book was the the method by which they enter the yerk pool. I don't think I remember that that and the um, and the oatmeal book, or you know the the fun one, the fun yerk pool password. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't think that was the same book as the oatmeal book. I thought those were two distinct entities, and there was a whole subplot about McDonald's, but I was wrong. We just passed right over it in favor of trauma, my favorite thing. Yeah, I thought the McDonald's one was like a full book, maybe. Me too. And I thought, I also thought the oatmeal book was a lot goofier than it was. <laughs> yeah, but not so much, no. So we are, um, I guess just a heads up, we are going to be talking about um, some attempted attempted self-harm um and there's a lot of this book that's set in not the most sensitive portrayal of a mental institution. Um, so just to let y'all know in advance before we dive into that. There are some, there are some goofs. There are some, yeah. Rachel explicitly mentioned something as a goof at one point. It was like, oh, okay, cool. Glad that that's the page we're on for this moment. But there's a, there's a lot of rough stuff. There's a lot of non-point-of-view characters having real struggles with their roles in the group, which was surprising to me and hard to read because normally I feel like up until this point, when a character is really struggling, it's when it's their book and they get to tell us a little bit more about what's going on with them in the background. And this is just like, okay, I guess Jake's just totally despondent and Cassie's having a crisis of conscience and not dealing well with it. Yeah, it's, it's rough. Yeah. There's also a lot, like, if you read the book itself, there's also a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, it must be nuts to be doing this. Like, it's, it's like, throughout the book. <laughs> um, and I, I found it kind of tough to, like, I was like, it makes sense because, like, kids in the 90s, like, this wasn't something I think people thought, like, maybe I shouldn't make so many jokes about people who, like are just people like you and me who need some help. Yeah. Um, but I was like, it's in character, kind of, for kids in the 90s. And I think there is some, like, like Cassie, at least, is a couple times saying, She like, pushes back hey, against guys, it. Yeah, like, let's, maybe let's cool take it. a minute. Yeah, cool it with the jokes. But you're, you're right. I, I am with you in that. I, I, I think it was an accurate portrayal of, like, the prevailing... I guess the cultural attitude towards it was yeah. pretty was not pretty different. We're not that much better at this point, yeah. but I think people are a little <laughs> more sensitive to like mental health issues are, are real mental health issues, and it's not not great to make fun of them all the time or yeah. at all, really. Like I think the book in general had this sort of by the end of the book, it had like they, there's a main character who's a like one-off controller we meet who 
um, gets put in a mental institution, um, and there's sympathy given towards that character, which yeah. is nice. Like, I, I was very nervous <laughs> when he first showed up, um, but yeah, I think... It was a weird book, but there were some really good parts, too. So. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, there, there's some, there's this overarching theme of, you know, all of Animorphs is about, like, bodily autonomy and control, yeah. but this book especially, I think, because of, because of Edelman, that character who we'll get to in a minute, um, there's a lot of time focusing on, like, what does it mean to have control over your life, over your body, um, which is interesting. And I, I'm with you in that he was definitely handled more sympathetically than... My favorite example of how not to do it, the woman oh. in the shack in the woods, oh. who's just, just terrible. That was just not the worst. Uh, not Not the worst. I'm sad that that's <laughs> not the worst, but there are far worse examples out yeah. there, but it wasn't great. And these books are often favorite. so great about these things that yeah. it was, it was a, a sore point for me. Um, it was weird because the book ends with um, a line that made me think that they were trying to have some kind of... Um, arc about being kind to people who yeah. may seem um, strange or different or like mentally ill if you see them in public, but it was sort of like slapped on at the end and I didn't know how I felt about it. Yeah, that read more to me. I, I think I'm with you in that I I thought they were going for a deeper, a deeper moral, but because it was kind of just tacked on and because like that resolution was played for laughs, like yeah. when Rachel's talking to her family about it, yeah. um, it didn't it didn't have as strong an impact as I think they were going for. Yeah, for me it either. felt it felt weird. I don't know if maybe I was a little kid if I read it, I might feel differently, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, anyway, there is some fun stuff in this book. Yes. Also. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, let's let's talk about let's talk about that because it starts out with a, a fun side quest, which I really enjoyed. A delightful side quest. A a good day out. A day outing on the beach where they get to use morphing for fun, and I'm so glad that they do. Yeah, it opens with Rachel and Marco trying to convince Jake to let them use morphing to go to the the new Planet Hollywood opening. (laughs) Which also apparently (laughs) entails, like, a a big... I'm not sure what the event was, like a concert or a ribbon cutting or some kind of outdoor yeah. shenanigans featuring all of your favorite celebrities. Like, I guess, I guess, like, I, I think I've been to, like, a Planet Hollywood one time. Maybe it was a Hard Rock Cafe, which I think of as the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I never thought of them as a place that, like, celebrities actually went. No, like, I neither. thought it was just memorabilia. Right. Um, like, here's a fake, you know, a fake signature from one of your favorite celebs, but apparently, no, in the Animorphs alternate universe, which we know is not the same because dogs are aliens, uh, <laughs> celebs really like to hang out at Planet Hollywood. Maybe they live there. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they're all contained there. It's like how teachers live at school. Exactly. <laughs> celebrities. Teachers, teachers live on Planet School. Celebs cannot leave Planet Hollywood. Hollywood. Yep. Hollywood <laughs> on pain of death. Now that I think about it, this book did not have any moment where Axe asked them about where Planet Hollywood is located that's in the true. universe. Aww. Well, that's true. Well, that's a missed opportunity, but he does. He spends so long talking about how bad he was at exobiology. Maybe <laughs> maybe we're meant to set that up as a contrast to, like, no, Axe, Axe, knows, Axe knows his star maps. Like, he's well aware there is no Planet Hollywood. Axe does not have a starring role in this book, but he has a lot of really good, good lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Rachel and Marco are trying to convince Jake, team dad, that they should have a good time <laughs> and go to Planet Hollywood. Um, and, and Rachel's sort of cagey about why she wants to go, because, like, Marco oh, obviously... This. 
Marco wants to take Axe, which I thought was adorable. Yeah, because well, you know, Axe it... doesn't know a lot about human culture. It's really going to be educational for him. Yeah, and it, and I thought that was adorable. And then Rachel was sort of not saying why she wanted to go, and then she's like, "Well, it's not a big deal, but Lucy Lawless will be there." <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a oh, fashion God. show, but also, I guess Lucy Lawless will I guess, be there. Oh, God. This is, I love when later on she for, pretends that she doesn't know Lucy Lawless's last name, which is just, mm, Rachel, it's okay. It's okay to admit you've got a crush. Like, I would it's be there okay. in a heartbeat for Lucy Lawless. She is Come brilliant. On. Like, how can you not be excited about seeing Xena? Come yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> I love that the way, the way that they do convince Jake after all <laughs> is... <laughs> By alerting him that Shaq will be there. <laughs> Which, I, it did just make me think of the, um, every time we go to SPX in Bethesda, um, it's a, a comic show, every time we go there, they they always have a surplus of Shaq soda at the 7-Eleven right there. So, like, the past two or three years, I've bought, like, one or two of those, like, giant, like, Arizona iced tea-sized Shaq Excellent. sodas, and they're always bad. Oh. But it feels right. <laughs> Where else on earth? Only at Planet Hollywood and at Small Press Expo in Bethesda MD <laughs> can you possibly acquire a lifetime supply of Shack Soda. Only at the finest 7-Eleven locations in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Aww. Um, so that's yeah, what... Jake, is, Jake is excited about his ba- uh, wow basketball hero. And I, I thought they were going to sneak in and then, you know, demorph to human yeah. and try to hang out with their celeb friends. Yeah. But no, their big plan is just to go as birds. It's just and to just, fly, like, a mile above the stadium and be like, oh, look, I see them. I yeah. see them. Just, like, perch somewhere and look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not for very long even, either, because they seem to be, like, done. Yeah. Like, within minutes. With whatever. <laughs> I don't think we ever learn what they're actually doing. They're just attending the fashion show, maybe? I thought there was, like, a red carpet, and then I guess there was a fashion show, and I guess some of them would eat? I don't, like, I don't... <laughs> some of them. Some of them might be convinced to eat. Like, if I was a celeb, I would be out after yeah. the red carpet. Well, except, but... Megan, they live there, so the red yeah, carpet is just leading them home. Yeah, they're going to their dorms. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they're bunks. Oh. <laughs> is Planet Hollywood... So, I think I'm also... Oh, man. If my life depended on it, I could not tell you the difference between Hard Rock Cafe and Planet Hollywood. Because one of them has a big rotating guitar. Does Planet Hollywood have a big rotating planet? <laughs> is that where so. they live? I know. I do know that Planet Hollywood has a table that is made of the... Or, like, I guess the main Planet Hollywood is a table that's made of, I think in the Terminator, um, there's, like, a prop that's him in something, so the table is frozen. (laughs) I only saw the Terminator one time a while ago. It's Um, been a minute for me also, and I have literally no clue what the heck you're going for i'm sorry but it does you did bring there's up, a table that's a prop it's yeah, all a prop table at planet hollywood so maybe maybe that's it maybe they all have to live within the props that their movies are associated with so arnold has a tiny place carved in with carved out within the table um which brings us to a really important plot point which is that arnold schwarzenegger is also present at the planet hollywood opening and this is a pre-governor yeah pre-governator mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a like action star prime I action guess. star muscleman yeah builder guy <laughs> this is like when he was kind of cool um before he like was a governor and we found out about his affairs and <laughs> he got old and scary looking 
Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's important that he's there. Yep. Axe, Axe asks, who is this Schwarzenegger? And Marco tells, like, does a, an impression, which I'm not going to repeat because no, I can't do an impression of him. Um, and he says, he's the man. And Axe goes, what man? Oh. And that was cute. <laughs> Axe, yeah, Axe, I'm with you. Axe, maybe, maybe MVP of this book for good lines. Axe and Jordan, Rachel's sister. Oh my God. Yeah, really, There's really this- stellar. Actually, I love Rachel's entire family. Her Me mom too. and her other little sister are all, like, delightful. <laughs> yes. Yes. I really enjoyed their short scenes together. Um, but so, yeah, they're, uh, they're all birds. They're all flying around over top of the stadium. Um, one of the things that comes up again and again in this book is Rachel telling you about her destructive impulses that she's, like, <laughs> barely keeping a rein on, which range from, like, pretty harmless to, oh, my God, Rachel, like, please, please, please get yourself checked out. Please get some help. Uh, but we start we start minor. We start with Rachel telling you that she's really, really wants to buzz Marco and like <laughs> knock him out of the sky. But she doesn't because she's got it under control. It's fine. Rachel. Rachel. Yeah, so she kind of like turns as they're looking. Oh, I did like she she sees Naomi Campbell and says she looks beautiful. Yeah. That's the only celeb I remember. Um anyway, so Rachel kind of like turns for no apparent reason, is sort of looking around and she sees a man in a skyscraper nearby. Um, and this is where it takes an abrupt turn from yeah. a delightful oh, delightful goodness. Planet Hollywood playdate to... A oh, Planet playdate. To, like, an individual having a, a terrible day. <laughs> or a terrible month, probably, because I think this has been going on for this guy for a while. Yeah. Um, where he's in sky in a glass skyscraper, and she watches him, like, throw a chair out the window and try to jump. Um, and Rachel flies over and all the Animorphs' birds try to save this man from dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an extended sequence where, like, <laughs> it's, it's, like, really goofy because it's a bunch of birds trying to, like, stop a guy Fly, from falling. Like, glide a man into the river, right, but it's also, also horrifying. Yeah, it's also awful. Yeah. Um, and it's a book for, like, kids, so they're kind of not playing it as be like... There's a lot of like Rachel going like I don't know what his deal is, right. and which right. makes it's sense oddly, for... oddly lighthearted. Or I guess that's that's where the incongruity and in tone yeah. comes in is that they have to play it a little more light. Play it. They have to treat it with a little bit of a lighter touch because yeah. it's, you know it's for eight year olds. Uh, but it I is think... it's, it's an odd mismatch. Yeah, like Rachel has and Rachel has some narration that is kind of insensitive, but yeah. I, it does but it's kind also of make... kind of Rachel. Yeah, like, I was like, I think Rachel of the Animorphs is one of the ones who would have the most abrasive, um, negative reaction to, um, like, suicide. Especially at, she's, what, 13 or 14? Yeah. Like, she's kind of, I feel like at that age you're not as um, empathetic about something. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, no, like, you're a sociopath, yeah. basically. Your brain just <laughs> doesn't have those gears yet. Yeah, the little, like, your brain is still plugging in all the wires into <laughs> the right places. Are people? Are, are you sure? Like, yeah. let's check in again in a couple of years. I'm really not sold on that one yet. There's, like, some chemicals. It's hard, it's hard ba- to be a teen. Yeah, so. Not baked all the way yet. Yeah, so, um, so, right, like, and I think it's all, it does kind of also release the pressure on the situation at, for the reader that it's sort of like, don't worry so much, Rachel's kind of, like, not taking it that seriously. Yeah. Um, so... But it's, it's weird to read now as an adult um, mm-hmm. in 2016. Um, 
But anyway, so all the birds, fl- all the animals, yeah. birds Rachel, fly over. Rachel literally dives in, which yeah, she will Rachel continue first. to do throughout this book, is just diving into places and things yeah. and situations. Um, leads them all. To, well, actually, Tobias, to be fair, is the one who has the bird expertise to tell them like how to flare their wings to like yeah. slow his descent, which is really good. I'm glad he gets to be a bird spurt, bird expert. Yeah, he's like the the flight expert too. Yeah. He's just like, oh, there's gonna be some like what recoil or whatever. So you gotta like slow down, then you gotta like re- like release at this point. And then you have to, like, <laughs> oh, he's so smart. He knows everything about flying. Yeah. Um, In another so- life, he would have been a brilliant pilot. <gasps> Oh, why can't he just be a pilot and not have horrible... Th- anyway, so <laughs> all the Anawars kind of slow his de- slow this man's descent, um, and they sort of try to get him into, a like, a river? They drop him lake. into a nearby river, yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, action sequence done. And then no... No, like, no, no! He's stuck in the mud, and Rachel has to, like, jump in and demorph and morph into a dolphin and buoy him up. And this was, like, pages and pages of this. Yeah, of, um, like, people seeing her half-morphed form and, like, being very concerned about this ghoulish, ghoulish creature. <laughs> um, lots of bad morphing in this book, also. Oh, yeah. Ooh, this whole book. Yeah. Ooh, it's so many bad morphs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so um, the man is in the water, and he's alive, but he's, uh, he's a little bit, a little bit drowny, a little bit. Um, and we find out that, apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger... Was the true hero <laughs> who, 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 um, the Terminator became the resuscitator is the headline that they read the next day. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, there's some good, some good celeb jokes in here. I really yeah. thought, so the chapter ends with, like, strong arms pulled him out of the yeah. water. Very star- strong arms. And I really thought it was going to be Shaq. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> so did I. Although, it would have been great if it was Lucy Lawless also. Yes. Oh, that would have been so much better. Lucy. Monzina. Anyway, so the Terminator saved this man um, who's been having a bad day. Um, and all the kids, like, they, they go to the mall. Yeah. There's, a, there's a great sequence where Tobias tries to buy a cinnamon bun, a giant well, cinnamon he does, bun. He does buy a giant cinnamon bun. For them all to share, which is a great gesture, especially since I'm not sure how he had money to buy this giant Good cinnamon question. Um... And he's he's like, been selling think, selling some bowls. Unclear. I guess maybe as a bird, it would be easy for you to like pinpoint like a wallet that's dropped on the ground or something. So I don't oh know. no, Tobias is a secret bird heist. <laughs> Second life. Oh. <laughs> so he does. I just thought they gave him some of their allowance, but no, Tobias is going around like, oh, I could return this wallet, or I could use it to fuel my best friend Axe's bottomless pit of a stomach. His I mean, endless maw. I mean, what else do they have to do all day? Hanging out in the meadow being shown. Well, apparently watching like... Gulliver's Travels, right? Oh, not Gulliver's <laughs> Travels. Wow, Gilligan's Island. Yeah, a that's very different never, thing. It's that's a mystery. never revealed. I guess maybe he could have looked at something at Planet Hollywood. But I choose to believe that there's, like, a secret that Marco doesn't know about, and that's how Axe... We find out later that Axe knows what Gilligan's Island is. Yes. Um, And none of the Animorphs know... Uh, none of the Animorphs... Claim Say. to know. None yeah. of them claim ownership of it. I believe that Tobias and Axe, in between wallet stealing, are, like, sneaking in to watch TV somewhere. Yeah, because, I mean, Marco doesn't know, which is, like, the main person I would assume would make wa- Axe watch right. TV. Right, he's all so. about the cultural education. Um, so, yeah, I, I loved that mini-mystery. Me too. <laughs> um, so, Tobias comes over with a giant cinnamon roll and, like, utensils, and he's like, guys, we can share the cinnamon roll and give Axe, like, the rest of it, because it's so big. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, looks over, and Axe is already <laughs> shoving... <laughs> 
the entire cinnamon roll and plate and fork and knife into his mouth, which I don't understand how his human mouth can handle all these things he's eating. Oh, oh God. He's, he's just a python. He just unhinged his jaw like a snake and swallowed it whole. Rachel manages to get the fork and knife back out, I think, but he does eat that whole plate. So snacks. Snacks alert. I wonder if he can adjust his... Um, his human morph to have like a mouth more no, good Megan, for eating. No. You gotta like, have one mouth for kissing. Good quantities and of food. One mouth for eating. That's I gotta all you have, need. I need bigger teeth to really grip all I of the this. foods. I hate this. You have to stop. Um, anyway, oh, bigger mouth capacity and bigger teeth. Like, no, he's not a horse. Sure. Well, okay. How would you eat a paper plate? That thing would just slip out. Like, I, really, I don't think, I think my he teeth. Just... I don't think my teeth could get purchased on oh, the paper no. paper plate. Oh, no. Maybe it was like melted to the bottom of the bun and he didn't even notice it. Because the, the bun was so large, it probably like eclipsed this tiny morsel of a plate. So he just tore okay, right yeah. into it. And he, he like almost ate a plastic fork. They had yeah. to pull it out of his mouth. <laughs> like when your dog is a chicken bone. But no, it's this beautiful, beautiful teen boy. When your beautiful teen friend... Tries to eat him. Tries to eat a plastic knife. You gotta grab that out of his mouth. Just you gotta, help him out. You gotta shake the no-no can and like spray him with a hose real quick, or else he'll never learn. Just boop him on the nose. Go no, <laughs> no, buddy. No, buddy. Forks are not for eating. Forks are for eating with, but forks aren't for eating. Oh, did I did I tell you I got um I got to eat a cinnabon? Well, one one. I'm so sure they had some kind of corporate sponsorship because this is just this is beyond this is the pale. This is intense. absurd levels of praise Although for this cinnabon. Was, this was like before viral marketing That's and true. stuff like that. So I don't know, but Maybe I want to believe deal. they got some. I hope they got some cinnabon bucks. Cinnabucks. 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 <laughs> so you had one last weekend, didn't I you? I did. I did. We were driving. I was driving up from Philly to Buffalo with my friends, and we went to a rest stop, and I got to have a Cinnabon. And you know what? I had two bites, and I felt really, really sick. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of sugar in those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, you know what? It smelled delicious. It, oh, yeah. You know, I think they have the same kind of thing with Subway, where they're pumping that good, good cinnamon smell out into the uh, whatever the Buffalo rest stop area like the Molly Pitcher stop was. Yeah, they it's, they smell so good. They really, time, really do. Every time I'm at the mall, I'm always like, ooh, it smells amazing, but I know I can't handle that much yeah. cinnamon Yeah, so like two once. bites, two bites nearly murdered me, a full-grown adult human. So to then consider, like, I know Axe is going to demorph soon, but my it's dude. A little, little tummy ache. A, a little, little bit. Like, like, just, how does he eat all this <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, I, let's, anyway. I, you know what? I think I'm now, I've come back around. I'm on board with your suggestion that he's morphed himself an especially good tummy and yeah, a really like, good eating mouth. Like, he's like, better maximize the tummy space because <laughs> what else am I using this body for? No, like, it's just for eating. <laughs> talking and eating. Oh, goodness. So, okay. So, Axe doesn't choke to death on a plastic fork. That's great. We're all very glad about that. <laughs> very glad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they discuss a little bit how lucky are, they are that nobody spotted them morphing, um, and nobody seems to suspect anything unusual, despite the fact that five birds saved this man. That's cool. That's fine. No big. So yeah, they're going to keep watch on the news and see if anything comes of it. Yeah, I'm really unclear. How did nobody spot, like, there's, like, five or six birds helping, like, like it's like, no, Schwarzenegger, that's the highlight yeah. of this. Um, anyway. He has a really good PR team, probably. 
That's true. I mean, he was he was super famous at the time. So true. I guess. Anyway, so <laughs> so um, they find out that basically all they do is they find out Schwarzenegger saved him and he's yep. alive. <laughs> like they were successful. Um, and then Rachel goes home, and we get to see her awesome mom and sisters. Yes. Um, her older, her the older of her little sisters is, is her favorite word is duh, <laughs> and like. Rachel wants to go get some, like, leftovers in the fridge, and her sister's like, Rachel, I threw them out. Duh. They were so gross. Duh. Um, and I was just like, oh, yeah. Like, that was, like, That the, was like, a thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, her littlest sister is adorable, too, because she, like, there's, like, a, like, like, her mom comes home, and her mom's like, oh, is, like, your your other sister, is she had a play date with so-and-so? I hope not, because I'm going to have to buy her more Barbies again. <laughs> Because then she, like, the little littlest sister shows up and is like, Mom, they have a lawyer Barbie, like you! It was very, um, very cute. I love yeah. both of her sisters, two pieces. And I, I, like, love, like, I love how much Jordan is just a mini Rachel, is, like, the same yeah. level of snark and combativeness, and you can see, like, oh, that's what's going to happen when you grow up, huh? Yeah, it's, it's like, I, I, we don't see them for very long in this book, but, like, just this, like, couple pages of their home life is so good. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it read them. it read really real to me. It read, it was a a good portrait of their family. And we we do find out that Rachel's mom was successful in getting oh, yeah. the home fixed for free after Rachel <laughs> destroyed it As, by morphing, yeah, by morphing an elephant. the elephant. And not only that, but they're getting like a sweet new kitchen. There's a yeah. lot a lot of explicit mentions of events of other books yeah. in this book. I think more than any of the other ones so far. There's yeah. callbacks to, well, not not just callbacks. Like, they talk a little bit about what happened in Rachel's allergy book and when, you know, Jake got smushed as a fly and Cassie didn't know how to deal with the moral question of what to do about yeah. um, Visser 3's evil twin, who's, or, you know, Visser 3's lesser, <laughs> e- lesser of two <laughs> evil twins, um, whose name I've already forgotten. Um, Mr. 3 the Lesser. Lesser three, the Mister. Lesser three. Lesser. Oh my God, he is Lester three. Lester. Lesser. Lesser three. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was surprised because like the stuff mentioning other Rachel books, I was like, yeah, because it's a Rachel book. Um, but there was definitely like there was a moment that was like fallout from the end of the last book, which mm-hmm. was cool. Yeah. Um, especially since Cassie's her best friend, and Cassie at the end of the last book had some like moral issues she was dealing with. Um, an understatement, perhaps. Under- <laughs> yeah. Um, Cassie's, so but, Cassie's not doing great. No, she's having some trouble. Um, and we haven't even had a book from her in a while. This is mm-hmm. all, like, in other people's books, which yeah, is Yeah, peripheral problems. Um, so we find out that Rachel's mom is a lawyer. Um, and Rachel's mom is saying, like, oh, at work, I guess her firm is involved in this case. Or maybe she just knows about it. I was unclear on if she I think she was... she's, she's representing... Um, Edelman, the the man who they say okay, yeah. um, she's going to be his representative in court, um, but also kind of the representative. Or you're right, I'm not clear on it either because yeah. I'm not sure if she's representing his family who wants to have him declared like incapable of conducting his own affairs, or if she's yeah. actually representing him. Yeah, because she says she says something like your mom's a celebrity, and then she just has information about Edelman. Yeah, um, but I was unclear on the connection. Yeah. What anyway? Doesn't matter. So George Edelman is the name of the man who they saved, um, and he is in court, um, and his family wants him declared incompetent um, and placed in a facility instead of going to court. Um, mm-hmm. 
Reason being, and... he's claiming that he has an alien living in his head. Yeah. Which Rachel's mom refers to as Yerks or Yorks? <laughs> yes, a Yerk peppermint patty, my favorite treat. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Rachel's understandably like, whoa, hang on. Um, this guy is probably just a controller or something's mm-hmm. going on. So, like, they, they need to figure out what the deal is, so all the Animorphs meet up and they, like, debrief about this new information. Um, and they decide to go look at the, like, go try to find him at this facility and try to maybe talk to him or see what's going on. Um, Axe asks, what are willies? And I <laughs> explain it to him. And I realized, I think the last, because I think he had, he asked this before, but I think it was in one of the books where... Like, the timeline? Oh, is, like that, a, is that the one where they forgot everything? Where everyone except Jake forgot everything? I think it was either that one or the one where Rachel... Like, they're in that other timeline and maybe oh, not everyone yeah. remembered it? Well, that, that would elements? fit. It's either, either the jungle or the far-flung alternate future would be a good source of the willies. So, yeah, I, I buy so that. I think I think it was one of the books where it actually makes sense that he still doesn't know what oh, the willies buddy. are. Oh, buddy. Um... Anyway, that was, like, the thing I remembered from yeah. the sequence. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they decide they're going to try to break into the facility. They're all taking it uh, really, really lightly, not seriously in the slightest. This is when all these jokes come up again. Yeah. Um, and so they make it there without a problem. Uh, they're trying to figure out how to infiltrate. And their big plan is that they're going to morph into birds, fly into a food truck that's delivering food, and then demorph and be roaches to get into the actual facility. Um, yeah. They morph roaches and, like, bugs a couple times in this book, and yeah. it's still... Still, still the worst. Time. Still the worst of all the bad possible morphs. Um, so Jake and Marco are trying to time, like, okay, we don't, we want to miss these delivery guys, like, we don't want to get caught by them while we're demorphing. So Marco's literally trying to time out, like, okay, how long is it going to take? Like, you know, sneaking around at night in, like, a Zelda game trying to avoid the guards. <laughs> Rachel's like, no, I'm just going to go for it. And again, literally dives into the back of the truck without stopping to think about it. So yeah. recklessness, <laughs> it's Rachel's deal. Yeah, I, I like that even Jake is like, that was a bad idea, after he and Marco, like, go after her. Yeah. Like, they're like, well, we're doing it too, and they have yep. to, like, dive bomb in. So they, um, they demorph in the back of the food truck. It's like a... A kid tangle a legs back there. It's oh, not pleasant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, yeah, they more and then they morph into into roaches and they go into they realize they're in like a banana box. Yeah, banana. it's like a they're delivering bananas. It's like a banana crate, I don't know, a banana yeah. banana handlers, banana urns, whatever <laughs> whatever vesicle vesicle. Whatever <laughs> vessel bananas are held in, they're in one. Yeah. There's a weirdly, there's like a poetic description of like looking out over the landscape of bananas as a roach sized <laughs> being. They're talking yeah. about like, it was like inscribed like protractor arcs of yellow, like in, extending infinitely into the horizon. It's <laughs> very out of place, but it was a fun moment. <laughs> um, and then they, they talk about like, like they, they go off on a tangent about like pesticides on the bananas yeah. and like, Oh, we can't eat through that. And then, and then I think either Rachel or Jake is like, "Oh yeah, sometimes they they have like tarantulas in bananas, so like maybe that's why they spray with pesticide." And then Rachel like turns, and there's a tarantula in there with them. Of, of course. course, of course, of course. The they, second like it's Chekhov's spider, the second that comes yeah. up, like you know, 
you know. So, of course, like, they can't just get into this place easily. They have to run away from this tarantula. Tobias, and... has, like, t- tarantula catches Rachel, and Tobias has to swoop down and, like, pick it off of yeah. her body. And, like, the men carrying the crates, like, fling them onto the floor. It's oh, a whole yeah. production. It's not yeah. fun. There's an extended sequence where it's like, oh, they get to the place. They're running away from the tarantula. It gets Rachel. The, the guy opens, like, a guy opens the bananas to, like, put them somewhere. He sees the tarantula. He freaks out. The whole thing falls over. The tarantula is chasing Rachel. Tobias comes in, <laughs> grabs the tarantula. Rachel has only five legs. They meander towards the, <gasps> like, crack in the wall. Like, oh, my god! It goes on for a while. <laughs> it does. And I, I'm impressed you kept that all straight because it was kind of a spider mess to me. I kind of skimmed oh. through the spider sequence because I didn't like it. I think I missed a couple nuances in, like, that, like, we gotta get ten more pages of the, like... Yeah, Yeah, we gotta fill out that 125, which, again, so much respect, that's a daunting task, and any way you can get to that number is fine by me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, especially, like, they probably were writing this in about a week. Yep, so... Yeah, there was a Megamorphs coming up, like, they might have been, like, starting to think about the TV show, there was a lot on their plates. Ooh, Um, so... So, Jake makes a casual mention of he's finally he's kind of talking about his fly problem or like he mentions at least in passing like hey getting smooshed wasn't fun guys and i was very proud of him for even bringing that up in a group setting um so they are going inside they're trying to figure out how to find the right room um and outside cassie and axe are like doing are like on point or whatever they're like looking into the building and they know what room he's in so they can kind of direct them over to him and this is when axe Reveals that he knows what Gilligan's Island is because he's like, they are watching Gilligan's Island. (laughs) (laughs) And there's just, everyone is mystified. Um, Axe is a mysterious creature, a mysterious monster of a bottomless pit. And this is also when Marco, like, things have been going pretty bad for these kids so far. And Marco's like, I have an idea. Why don't we just go to the mall and see how many Cinnabons Axe can eat before he explodes. And I was like, I wish... (laughs) I wish that I wish was the so book. Badly. I want that book. Where's that book? I want Where's that Animorphs for them. 18.5, The Snackery, where they just go and <gasps> hang out at Cinnabon all day. It's just acts like reviewing the foods at the oh, food court. Oh, man. Man, I want that. I want to read all about that. <laughs> Whew. So, yes, they go into the right room, um, and... Rachel decides that the best way to do this is just completely straightforwardly, so she demorphs in a bathroom recruits someone to go tell George that she needs to speak with him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's kind of half demorphed and it's not pleasant, um, but manages to talk this person into helping her out anyway. Um, so by the time George comes back, she's she's fully demorphed and human again. So it's just, you know, a human teen in a leotard hanging out in the bathroom. <laughs> and she tries to play it off at first, like she's working for his legal team or something. Um, but, like... He knows what Yerks are, so I think he kind of knows that something is up. Yeah. Um, So after talking to her for a little bit, he basically asks if she's an Andalite, and she just says, uh, yeah, I'm an Andalite. Definitely, definitely not human. Definitely don't know anything about human culture. Definitely not a Lucy Lawless fan. Um, (laughs) yeah, so, so George Edelman explains to her, um, like, he's talking to her, and then every once in a while he'll break into what sounds like gibberish, um, but I think Rachel realizes pretty quickly is that that must be the Yurk home language. Mm-hmm. Um, and she hears, like, a little bit of hork in there, too. Yeah. Um, and so the man explains to her that he, he was a controller. Um, the Yurk in his head has gone insane because of this thing they were using to um, help them avoid having to go to the, the Yurk pool every three days. Um, 
and the the thing that helped his yerk survive for longer also made it go insane and it can't leave his head that was the part i was confused about i think i think just be it doesn't have to so why yeah, would it so is it a deal yeah yeah so it's pretty much in there um but edelman can be in control of himself most of the time or at least some of the time um and we find out the reason like the thing that the yurks have been like i guess experimenting with to keep them like, out of having to use the yerk pool all the time that might, like, revolutionize things for the yerks is instant oatmeal, specifically maple and ginger flavored, which sounds not, like, a good combo to me. Sounds unusual. I've certainly never had it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, apparently the specifically the instant kind <laughs> um, replaces some of the, the yerk brain stem in its like, it replaces their need for candrona rays. It's a it, chemical mystery. It's yeah. Both, so not rolled oats, not, like, fresh-cut oats, but, like, Quaker instant maple and ginger. Yeah, so it does something to the yerk brain. Something in there, which, I guess the animorphs aren't scientists, so it's not like they can go and figure right, out the and be like, how does, how does oatmeal thing? cross the blood-brain barrier? Great <laughs> question. Just don't worry about it. It's like, fine. Like, it, it's not really oatmeal. It's, like, some chemical in this weird flavor combo in Definitely. the... Anyway... Um, so, so, yeah, so this man is saying, like, he, like, this facility is not treating him well, um, and he has a yerk in his brain all the time, kind of yammering, and, like, he's, like, I guess it kind of comes into control some of the time, but not Mm -hmm. all the time. So he really, Um, he just wants to get out, I think, is the message that he leaves her with, is he could deal with having the yerk in his head, he just doesn't want to be here in this facility. Yeah, he has, like, a really nice, like, he says... I just wish the times I am myself, when I am still in control, I wish I didn't have to spend them here. Um, which I thought was, like, a really, like, it's, I really liked that line. Yeah, it's it's, it's also heartbreaking and awful to think about, you know, assisted living facilities and yeah. folks with dementia and all other kinds of memory issues is, you know, those places don't often have the best care possible. And yeah. it's, it's a hard thing to be facing and those decisions are really impossible for families to make. Um, so again, this is another thing where you could take it as a lighthearted, like, oh, yerks are so goofy, or you could turn it and look at real mental health issues and quickly, quickly realize the depths of horror yeah. beneath the surface of this book. I think I like that line especially, because it, yeah. um, it could be read good. as just, it's just a human reaction to, like, I'm not always myself, but I don't want to be here. This is a bad place to be. Um, which is, I think, more humanity than I was afraid they were going to give this character. Yeah. No, I, me um, too. Me too. So I, I was also pleasantly surprised that he gets a chance yeah. to, to speak for himself, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's rough. Um, so the Animorphs get back together. They they go and have this like long discussion about, now that they know that um, this maple ginger oatmeal... Um, is basically like a yerk drug, like they get addicted to it and that's mm-hmm. what messes them up. Um, and they have a long discussion about if they, if it's right to use this against the yerks or not. Um, and it's, this is like really, these are like big questions for yeah. these kids. Like they're basically trying to decide if they're going to use this in their war against the yerks. Um, like basically a biological weapon is what they've yeah. got. Yeah. Or um, chemical warfare, I guess. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's it's also affecting the, the, the humans. The humans, yeah. 
but none of the animorphs bring that part up exactly. Like they're just saying, like, oh, it's cruel to use this against the Yerks, which is true. Right. Even um, even when Jake is talking about what I wanted to happen to Tom, he kind of quickly shifts from that back into this bigger picture question. Yeah. So they don't really address like the morality of what would happen to the humans. Yeah, I don't know how much of it was just that that would be too dark for yeah. like if just like we like we can have this in the book as long as we don't have too many discussions about how like horrific this would be if they actually did it. Um but yeah, so they're having this discussion. I like that they all have different um points of view on it. Like Rachel and Marco obviously are all for Yep. using whatever they can against the Yerks um no matter what. Um and then Tobias is actually the one who's more unsure about it at first like he's more outspoken at least about not being comfortable using this um and cassie and jake are conspicuously not saying anything for Mm -hmm. a while Um, axe chimes in at some point to kind of give a more moderate and nuanced view than i expected of him which was cool it kind of shows how he's grown by spending more time among them as he's not not strictly on this on the side of we have to be ruthless this is a war we have to win it but instead he's bringing up these points where he really, he sounds like his big brother. He sounds yeah. like Elfangor in talking about, like, you know, you, you, you do have to win a war. It's important to be ruthless sometimes, but you also have to find this balance and consider that you don't want to sink to your enemy's level because then what good is any of this? Yeah, he has that, like, ideal, I like that idealized Andalite um, idea of, like, I only want to win this war on my own terms. Yeah, it's, yeah it's exactly what Elfangor was talking about, but he came at it kind of independently, which is nice. I'm so <laughs> proud of him. Baby. Um, and he says, like, how far into savagery do do you go to defeat the savages? Um, but he's, he kind of comes around pretty quickly, which made me un- Yeah. Un- <laughs> I was like, Axe, you, okay, um. I think the second even- that Jake expresses a strong opinion, Axe yeah, is like, okay, true. well, Prince, I defer to you. <laughs> um, and then Cassie Oh my gosh, this was, this really was really unsure. hard to read for me. Yeah. Yeah. She, like, she... We haven't seen that much of her in this book, and then at this point she's clearly going through some stuff because she is not sure. Um, and then Rachel's even saying, like, oh, like, I know that, like, she, like, I guess, I don't know who told Rachel, um, I guess I'm assuming Cassie because she's her best friend, um, what happened at the end of the last book where right. she was basically telling Jake to kill someone um, who was an enemy, but still, like, Cassie was telling Jake to kill someone. Um, so Cassie is sort of not sure where her moral center is anymore, which yeah. is hard because she was kind of the moral center for so long, especially for Rachel. Like, mm-hmm. that's how their friendship kind of went. Like, Rachel would do something, and then Cassie would tell her, like, hey, maybe don't do that. Yeah, they, they balanced each other so well, yeah. I think. And they, they both recognized that that was part of their relationship, too, as well as Cassie's relationship with the whole group, is she kind of is this moral center, a moral compass. But here she is in this in this scene, like laughing a cynical laugh and oh, just so saying, rough. you know, I'm all for admitting that this is a hard choice and for talking about how difficult it is to make these kinds of decisions. But Cassie is just, I mean, she reads as like despondent and just yeah. completely, completely unsure of herself to me. And it's rough. Yeah. And then like she, she, she makes, she has a cynical laugh and Rachel yeah. says, I didn't even know she was capable of that. Um, and then she has, like, this this line that I couldn't tell if it was a reference to something or what, but it's, like, this, like, line where basically she's saying that she doesn't know what's right or wrong because things are so bad. Like, like oh, Yeah, the, like, war. things are twisting and turning. That, yeah, I also couldn't parse, like, is, yeah. this, is this a quote that I don't recognize? Yeah, I Googled it and couldn't uh-huh. find anything. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure how I felt about 
like I, I understood her um why she was saying it. Like it made sense that Cassie would be having trouble with sort of the moving goalposts or moving like boundaries of morality for them. Well, but something about the way it was written was like over the top for me. Um, and I couldn't tell if I was being unfair to the book or not. Mm-hmm. No, I, I um, also, I think that was, you know, it, both hard to read because I want Cassie to be okay and also hard to read because that particular segment of the scene, um, I also wasn't sure if she's tipping too far into this, not just uncertainty, but like, I don't care anymore. Or that, yeah. that, that was what I had the most trouble with was not just that she wasn't sure, but that it read to me like she had gone all the way over into i'm not sure so it doesn't matter so i just don't care about solving this problem i'm just gonna say it's too hard and step back and away from it yeah and there like there wasn't that much um like rachel doesn't talk to her about it again later yeah i wish i think maybe like i think maybe if there had been just a little bit more of us seeing her like what why she was saying that because it was sort of out of like we haven't seen her we haven't had a book narrated by her in a while, so we've seen her from other characters' points of view going through stuff, which is interesting. But in this book especially, like, Rachel doesn't have extended conversations with her um, because there's other stuff going on. Right. Um, and I wish we had at least a little bit of it because I think that would have helped a little because some of some of the stuff Cassie goes through in this book is sort of like you're seeing on the outside what's going on and it's sort of like, I don't know. I don't know what you're, what's going on with you. I kind of want to know. Right. Um, right. No, I also, I wish we had had some of her point of view in this book, but it's Rachel's book. It's Rachel's yeah. book. So it's all about recklessness and control and diving in and desperation and yeah. the real horrors of war. Yeah. This, yeah. So this is like where it's like all about like warfare and like, it, this is where I was sort of like, this book is getting really dark and it's... We're not even halfway through at <laughs> yeah. this point. I yeah. was like, oh, I'm... I'm not halfway in, and I'm already kind of overwhelmed by all of the war stuff. Yep. Um, and Rachel is saying, like, like Jake kind of, um, Jake finally speaks up, and he's saying, like, well, in the Civil War, if they had compromised, they could have potentially ended the war earlier, but had some people still enslaved, and that would have been wrong. So it was good that they kept fighting because they had to win. Like, they had to really, they had to, abolish slavery or nothing right um so like i was kind of having trouble following parsing his, his argument yeah me too. yeah because at think... first i thought he was arguing that they should have the moral high ground by not doing it mm-hmm. but then he's saying yeah we should go whole hog and just do whatever we can against the Yerks. yeah based on i had to look at like how everyone else responds to him to yeah. try to get a handle on his argument and it seems like he's really trying to say in this case the end is so important that the end does justify the means yeah is that no matter what like we have to we have to win we have to be yeah. the Yerks because yeah. otherwise like none of this matters yeah so um it's so basically since jake said that they kind of all they've been all kind of going towards that like even tobias is starting to get swayed yeah um and then rachel is but but rachel is sort of like saying um i think he said we have to win no matter what and then rachel says even like in her narration even i have enough sense to know the words we have to win are the first four words on the road to hell and i was like this is book 17 God, yeah, they're, they're like 35 war books, y'all. It's in a, it's going to be a long road. It's not going to be a pleasant road either. This, like, this isn't even like, they're, they're not even in war yet. They're just like, 
in like their first skirm like this is like uh, the bugling back and forth before the battle yeah. starts is like trading initial volleys and here we are um yeah yeah i think this point really gets driven home throughout throughout this whole book um so, so they're gonna they're gonna have to go to the yerk pool is what they decide to find enough human controller at this point their plan is still to deliver oatmeal on moss to a bunch of human controllers so i don't know like they haven't really thought this through. Are they going to, no. like, sneak oatmeal into their <laughs> snacks? Like, everyone brought their lunch to the yerk pool, you know? We're just going to sneak into that yerk fridge and get it all up in those Tupperwares. But yeah. whatever it they... is, they got to go to the pool. Yeah, they haven't haven't figured it out. No. <laughs> but they, I guess they figure we'll go to the pool and then figure it out, which, thinking about it now, is a terrible plan. Yep, yep. The, um, we, know, we know how it goes when they go to the pool without a plan. It's not like great. barely it a plan. Yeah. It's not even a plan. Yep. Just, we'll show up and figure it out. <laughs> we'll um, show up with some oatmeal and see what happens. So, uh, Rachel goes home and has a horrible nightmare about the York pool because all of them um, are terrified of the York pool. Yep. Um, and her, her nightmare is interesting because um, the pool itself is scary, but what I think she was saying was the most unsettling about her dream is that she felt, like, hopeless and, like, that everything was... Like, in, in the dream, she gets captured and basically is being about to be controlled. And, like, I think the thing she was saying that, like, like was the most scary about the dream was that in the dream she was scared. And it was yeah. a lot about, like, emotionally in the dream, um, which I thought was an interesting way to have a nightmare written. Because I think some of the time in the books, the nightmare is just, like, a scary thing happened. But, like, when you actually have a nightmare, part of what's horrible is that, like... You, you can have, like, a feeling in the nightmare for no reason. Then you wake up and you're like, oh, wait, that's not real. <laughs> right, but the feeling is still real. Like, yeah. you still wake up and you're, you know, viscerally upset and sweating and shaking. Um, yeah. And so I, I'm with you. I thought that was a really good way to portray a nightmare. Um, and then she wakes up and there's a nice scene where Tobias is Oh, this was cute. In. This was so necessary at this point because yeah. it had just been bad, 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 bad. Thank goodness. So, like, yeah. Tobias flies in. And he just caught a good breakfast <laughs> outside somewhere. Glossed over. We know he ate a spider earlier in the book, so maybe he's still running on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't mention he eats that tarantula. <laughs> yep. And he said it tasted good, I think? Yep. Nope. He, he thought speaks to everybody like, mmm, tasty, as he's chowing down. <laughs> Which I like that he's like, he's cool and just telling yeah. them he ate tarantula Yeah, now. no, me, me too. Good I think him. we've talked about this a little bit in other books is that the more comfortable he gets, like, with his body and his situation, the more he's open to talking about it without, like, censoring himself about, like, oh, I, I gotta go hunt or, like, I'm hungry yeah. or, like, just had breakfast. So that's, that's good. That reads as a positive thing for me. Yeah, I was glad. So he um, hangs out. Like, he and Rachel basically just kind of, like, a quiet moment where she's sort of doing her math homework, but they're also just kind of, like, hanging out they're chatting um, yeah so we, we learn every morning at dawn unless it's raining she opens her window and he flies in to sit with her for a minute because they're deeply in love it's so cute i think she cute. also she was asking him about like how do you feel about math which i couldn't figure out if that meant she was sort of showing him what they were doing in school yeah i, I can't tell missing? if this is like his homeschooling project or if it's just like <laughs> hey do you mind that i'm doing this subject would you rather we like read together or something yeah because he says he likes math now which was nice that yeah. was cute um, but yeah, it was so, like, the, the description also of, like, the, like, I think it was, like, the desk lamp glow and oh, her yeah. sitting with, with Tobias at her desk. And I was like, this is so good. I'm so glad something good is happening. Me too. <laughs> Me too. 
I um, wish I only belatedly did I wonder like why why didn't he like morph human and hang out with her? <laughs> but I guess I guess it's harder to explain to your mom that like your window is open than it is to be like, Oh, it's you know, it's six thirty in the morning and there's just a boy on my bed. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Not um, getting into any trouble. <laughs> He also seems like he's not, well, I guess he went to the mall, he was, he morphed himself. He seems like he's always, like, un, like, nervous about yeah. staying in that morph. Like, I mean, Axe does it, too, where they both, like, if, if they don't have to, they would rather not morph it just in case just something bad happens. Just timing-wise, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, but I'm also like, oh, I guess he's a bird in this scene. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. We'll say. Um, so he does reveal that, like, his project, it was, like, staking out where there might be possible yerk pools. And he says, like, oh, I found one. And I think he said that he he partly morphed into human to sort of, like, see this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the the McDonald's um, the McDonald's Happy Meal. Happy Meal with extra entrance. happy. Yeah. <laughs> the secret code that you give to a cashier in order to be let back into the yerk pool. Yeah, it's so good. Like, like this and the oatmeal thing in this book are such powerful, like, um, like kid ideas yeah. of... Like, there's, like, like what secret conspiracy? Yeah, the secret conspiracy in the world around you is, like, it's just weird enough that, like, I definitely, like, yeah. I, I'm sure I tried this at some oh, point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so the idea is that, like, oh, you go to the McDonald's and you say you order a Happy Meal with Extra Happy, and then you pretend to go to the bathroom, but you go into the walk-in freezer, and something happens and you get into the yerk pool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good, because also going at, like, a walk-in freezer when you're a little kid, you're like, I don't know what's in there. But yeah. it's a doorway into a place. It's Narnia, basically. Yeah. Except in this case, Narnia is, you know, your hell, but still another world. Still a portal. <laughs> the other thing that I don't know if we mentioned was that the, the kids all decide to stockpile oh, yeah. <laughs> um, maple ginger instant oatmeal. Or they're all, which... initially their plan is like, we'll pull our allowances, we'll get some. And Marco's like, y'all, listen, like, I do the grocery shopping at my house, I will just go to Target and get us, like, you know, 17 gallons of instant maple and ginger oatmeal. Yeah, just the idea of, like, hey, we all have to buy, we tell our parents to buy this thing, was just giving me memories of that um, save save our sailors sailor moon thing in the late 90s where (sighs) it got taken off the air um so there was a website organized that had buttons where you could put them on your website Uh supporting it where the idea was like oh if you just buy a lot of specifically strawberry pop tarts um, I think there's another food you could also <laughs> buy for this campaign. <laughs> they'll see that you're buying them, and they'll understand that you want to save code Sailor for Moon. Saving Sailor Moon. <laughs> oh man! Wow. Um, which I don't think I even did because I think I found it when it was too late. Like I was not on the internet at the right time, uh-huh. so I found this site when it was a couple years out of date, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to do that." But cool. <laughs> Um, the grassroots campaign, Save Sailor Moon by Buying Pop <laughs> I also have only read about that in Legend and did not participate in it. <laughs> so I, I just, like, it's, like, the level of, like, when you're a kid, that's all you can do is, like, maybe ask your mom to buy a weird, like, a specific weird food stuff. Mm-hmm. Or imagine, like, there must be a secret code to get in through this McDonald's. I thought that oh, was, like, such a good, like, those are such powerful, like, kid, like, That's terms what you can to... do with, like, your limited agency, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have that much autonomy. You can't move around the world or, like, move in as wide a circle as adults can. But within your little sphere, here are some things <laughs> you can wonder about and control. So, yeah, I, I... But unfortunately, the Happy Meal sequence doesn't go on for very long. They basically... They go in as humans to kind of, like, watch a controller 
you know, do the code going through the thing. They, they, they're morphed as flies during this whole sequence, actually. I was wrong. They morphed as flies, and they follow this person in through the freezer, um, and there's a secret door that pops open, and the controller goes in, um, and they try to follow, like, fly through and follow them, but there's a, a Gleet biofilter? Mm-hmm. An alarm um, goes off and says, like, please cover your eyes to protect against damage from the Gleet biofilter. Oh and Axe goodness. just starts screaming at them to get out. And Rick yeah. is like, oh, Axe never yells. This must be yeah. important. So they all book it on their little fly wings out. Um, unpleasantly, uh, we do get to hear that all of their little fly eyes just melt. Ugh. Just melt. And Axe is like, well, we should, be, we should count ourselves lucky that it wasn't worse. I'm like, your eyes melted. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know what worse is at this point. So at this point in the book, I was just like, oh, did they have more pages to fill or did they realize they needed to add a new morph and they mm-hmm. hadn't done that yet because <laughs> I was like they were right there yeah. um when I was looking it up I did find out that the Gleet biofilter comes back a bunch of times yeah. which I, I didn't remember because it's a weird word and I think as a kid this wasn't this was one of the things that stuck with me no um but apparently this comes back so I guess it was important to establish what this was in the series as a whole, but I was sort of like, they were right there. <laughs> we so found out this cool entrance. Why aren't we going in? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's, no. let's tear through this next sequence because it's, it's long, but it's really just Cassie says, we're going to dig in. Let's do yeah. holes and let's dig into the York pool. So they do. It's unpleasant. Yeah, Everybody is scared. It. Everyone is claustrophobic. Rachel they is, spend... Rachel makes a big deal about like, yeah. I'm not going to let fear dictate yeah. what I do. I'm not going to let it stop me from being the best little mole digger I can yeah. be with my little Look, mole mitts. Well, because they're all understandably afraid of being buried alive yeah. as a little mole. Um, but when they are a mole, like, Rachel, when she first morphs it, is, like, she's like, oh, in like, when you are the mole, it's not scary. Um, but she kind of, like, isn't in control of the morph at first. So there's the delightful image of Jake lifting oh, up the yeah. mole Rachel and talking to her. Um, yeah, yeah, they're all, like, couple... standing around a tool shed, like, six kids in a shed with a mole. No big. Yeah, they basically, they pinpoint about where the center of the pool is. Because um, the York pool is so big that they can kind of figure out, like, it's it's under the mall and everything. We can, it's, like, near an intersection. They find a shed. They dig in as moles. It takes days because moles can't dig straight down. They have to dig on a angle. So all the moles are, like, they go one by one. They keep switching off to dig this tunnel. Um, and it's stressful. And they keep going to Mc, McDonald's oh, and yeah. buy snacks. Um, so, yeah, there's days of this. Yeah, it takes, like, um, a whole week. And they finally, they dig their way into, like, an interim... Like a um, a bat cave, they just dig into a bat cave yeah. that's like pro- in close proximity to the actual York pool. They have a brief funny moment where they all land in bat guano and like actually get to have a laugh for the first time in a week that they've been suffering. Yeah, they all get bat morphs and they decide, okay, like we know the bats have to fly out of here some way, so now we're safe. We're not going to be buried, buried alive anymore. So let's just figure out how to get to the York pool from our new bat cave home. Before we leave the Batcave sequence, can I read you the cover quotes for this book? Will you please? I wish you could. Um, because the the cover of this book is Rachel morphing into a bat, which yes. is not a new morph. She's already had a bat morph. Oh, um, yeah, when they did the, guess... the laser dodging, the wire yeah, but dodging. I, but I'm guessing that it's like technically we haven't had a bat on a cover yet. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to have... see her be a mole. That yeah. sounds oh, no. even worse. Oh, no. Um, and... Yes, they have technically a new morph, but the cover is the bats. Um, The cover quote is, there's nothing to fear but yerks themselves. (laughs) Oh, oh, just wait. The inside (laughs) quote is, there's nothing to fear. Batgirl is here. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, that was worth it. Oh. I also like that when when she first fall when she first demorphs in the Bat Cave, she realizes the cave is a lot smaller than she thought. So there's a part where she says like, "Oh, her head kind of like hits almost the ceiling, and there's just like fuzzy bats just all bats. around her head." Yeah, she just bumps into them. No big. Which was adorable. Yeah. So anyway, so they fly away as bats. They fly through a little tiny crack, and they're into the Yerk Pool. Uh, hollow in the ground. They're in the giant yerk pool area. Um, and they're kind of flying around and then the there's like robot guard things that are basically looking out for anything that isn't a human or a horkbajir or, or other kind of controller because the yerks have figured out like, hey, animals might Let's be animals. Let's watch animals, yeah. Finally caught in and on. It only took them like 18 <laughs> books, but okay, <laughs> guess you got it now. Um, um, so yeah, they this get is, shot this, is a, this book is a good one for... Visser 3 is pretty competent. Yeah. To some extent. Like, limited, obviously, by his own arrogance. But it's got some good moves in here. The hunter robots are nice. The biofilter's nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so these little robots are not just sentries. They are, like you said, guards. So they have some kind of laser beams. Yeah. Um, start shooting arms. at the bats. Um, get a really good hit on in on Tobias. So there's, like, a, they have yeah. to rescue Tobias and get him to cling to the ceiling. Um they managed to take out one of the bots by dropping pebbles on it, like dive bomb bats, which <laughs> is pretty very good. Goofy. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but then Rachel is like covering Tobias with her good wing because they're desperately in love and the robot shoots at her and burns her little bat wing straight off. Yeah. And then she, she can't fly. Um, and she ends up falling right into the York pool. Exactly like her nightmare. Uh, but yeah. Cause in her nightmare, she specifically is like in the York pool. Um, and so yeah, she's a little bat, like, like in the yerk pool. She's terrified. Um, but after a minute, she realizes the yerks can't see her because I guess they can't see in the yerk pool, um, and they don't really seem to notice. And she's like, "Oh, this must happen a lot because <laughs> bats are living nearby, so they must have the robots sort of firing at bats and like things falling into the pool, which is horrible." Um, so she's okay for now because they're just like, oh, it's another thing we're going to have to fish out. Um, I take so issue she... with the fact that throughout, from, like, here until the next 30 pages, she refuses to thought-speak to her friends. Yeah. And, like, the only reason she gives is, like, oh, they, you know, they'd try too hard to rescue me and get hurt. I'm like, honey, they're already, they're already yeah. getting hurt. Just they're tell already... them you're alive. Give them, like, a little, just, just ping them. Hey, just wait for me. I'm going to yeah. figure this out. Don't worry about me. It's fine. I'm a bat. It's okay. I'm cool. Don't worry. Yeah. I was actually at one point going like, oh, like, is she thinking that, like, she can only broadcast generally and huh. everyone in the Yerk pool will hear her? But I don't think that's it. And then there's something about how, like, the Yerks will hear her. I, I was so unclear. unclear. She didn't... I think this is just hand-waved. I think this is yeah. just don't think too hard about don't it. Worry. We needed it for dramatic tension, so this is how it is. Like, I guess she's so panicked that maybe yeah. she wasn't thinking. Yeah. Um. So she, she kind of, like, manages to, like swim her way she starts de she decides like okay i can kind of get under the pier where the mm-hmm. people are like the controllers are brought to drop the yerk in um she kind of like paddles over she demorphs remorphs as an ant surfs on the yerk pool gets out of the yerk pool <laughs> walks over into a corner goes into a closet demorphs finds a disguise puts that on well she yeah i think first she finds her laser beam right oh she yeah finds she gets a dracon beam. beam in there she uses that to knock out a lady just takes her disguise <laughs> her clothes is a disguise so she's not walking around in a leotard but please continue <laughs> this is super efficient you're doing great or actually i guess i do i want to I kept thinking about the Draken beam because so far their weapons are all really direct. They don't have any yeah. kind of ranged attack. So everything they do is this like visceral raw, like 
battle where their own yeah. bodies are on the front lines and having this Draken beam, having access to like any kind of gun or anything that you can kind of just point and aim and you don't have to be the one like with your claws in someone's face really adds this layer, like this buffer between them and the action and the battle. Yeah. Um, and it would be so easy, but I think it would also like, this is one of the most powerful ways that they just keep harping on how horrible war is by, is by making their battles so up close and personal and like, you're really yeah. always, always in danger and you have to really confront your actions when you're like directly attacking someone and not standing like 30 feet away and pulling a trigger. Um, so it was really, for a while I was like, why do they have this? Like, this is a game yeah. breaker. Like, they can't possibly keep it. Why do they have this? But it'll yeah. come up as a plot point in a little bit. That actually ties in because I think the thing um, with the with the oatmeal is that it's it's like, it's it's biological warfare on a yeah. because they're basically they're going to use this thing that they're arguing like it's not a real drug it's just oatmeal but it, it affects it's a yurks. drug to them it's yeah. a drug for them um, and it's a thing that they know will hurt the yurks it hurts the controllers a little bit but it also it doesn't kill the yurks right away it's going to make them suffer basically and they have to decide as kids is it okay to use this biological <laughs> warfare uh. in our war with these alien slug guys is that cool to just do that um, which is <laughs> really intense for a book for 12 year olds mm-hmm. um so yeah that ties in with that because it's it's a thing that they would just sort of like use and then leave like right. they wouldn't have, they to, don't deal have to face with the, the consequences yeah um so yeah i think it's interesting because if they didn't use the gun to do it it would feel more immediate um and there's a lot of like the way that they stack the stakes in the book is like there's a lot of gravity behind um the decision to do this it's not just an easy choice for them um so yeah, so she has this Dracon beam that's going to be important in a couple scenes. Um, and she's sort of wandering around the York pool. She is pretending to be a controller. She has a lot um, a lot of instances while she's separated from the others of talking about, like, a terrible plan and barely talking herself <laughs> out of it. Like, she was initially like, oh, just morph a shark and ear- eat some oh Yerks and go out in yeah. a place of glory. And now that she has this laser beam, she's like, I'll just fry all the Yerks in the pool. And, like... <laughs> you can see, like, her second and third thoughts kicking in and being like, actually, I guess I wouldn't get my friends back. Like, actually, maybe let's not do that for now. Yeah, like, she's in it for the long haul. Yeah. Um, she's doing which, her best to be a big-picture person. Yeah. And, yeah, she specifically says, like, oh, I'm not a big-picture person. Like, that's um, Jake and Cassie. Um, I have trouble thinking that way, mm-hmm. but she has to. Like, she's sort of figuring out. And she she is also saying earlier in the book, she's kind of, there's a couple instances where she's not so cool being the person. Like, she doesn't really want to do it, but she knows yeah. that she's the person who says say it. Um, so she's kind of figuring out her place in the group, but also kind of trying to step up where she needs to, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, so she, she sees Axe is demorphed and being surrounded by hork And they have, they have a special, like, Andalite tail sheath (laughs) they stuck on him, which I was like, so Vista 3 had these made for when they capture the Andalite bandit. You know he did. You know he got them monogrammed with, like, his own initials, too, right? (laughs) Um, so, so Axe is alive, but he's, um, he's being, like, surrounded. He's being captured, yeah. Um, she hears Marco thought-speaking. Rachel is in human morph, so she can't thought-speak back. Um, but she hears Marco thought-speaking at everyone, like, hey, where are you? I'm I'm okay, but where are you? Um, so nobody responds to him, so it's just like, I guess I'll just hang out. <laughs> um, Let me know. Text me back, please. <laughs> um, and then as she's walking around, she finds out that, uh, like, she talks to another controller who basically says that Cassie and and uh, Jake, who are the other bats, have been captured, and they're in mm-hmm. Batmorph still. So um, Rachel has to do something. Um, and... 
she she says she like wants to cry when she thinks about Cassie hurt, which is Aww. heartbreaking and really really rough. Um, um, but so yeah, she's this is when she's talking through like, oh, I guess I'm gonna have to step up and rescue yeah. my friends. How am I gonna do that? And then there's an incredible sequence yes. in which she overhears um, a controller going like, no, it's a misunderstanding. Um, and another <laughs> controller is like looking through her backpack, finds a Tupperware oh full of something. And the controller's like, no, it's Raisin Bran. My host needs to, my host needs to consume fiber, fiber in the morning. Um, and, then the, and then the other controller's like, no, I know what this is. There are no raisins here. I have been a, like, like, I have been in a host for two years. I know what this is. This is oatmeal. And it's the maple ginger oatmeal. He's like, I know the smell. And he's like, I'm putting this in contraband. And then they take that controller away and they're like, there's so many, like, there's so many controllers falling into the trap of being too human or something like that. Like, they've, like they've getting, gone host happy addicted. or something. Yeah, host happy. I love that. It was ridiculous. And then he's like, yeah, put it in the locker. Oh, wait, the contraband closet is full. There's 200 pounds of this oatmeal stuff in there. You gotta put it somewhere else. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, so Rachel's like, oh, okay, cool. There's, like, a shed with 200 pounds of oatmeal. <laughs> that's a lot um, of oatmeal. Also, instant just, oatmeal, pretty light. Like, that's and, gonna make a lot. And they've put it in barrels, we yeah, find out. just, you um, know, for convenience storage purposes. Why wouldn't you burn it? Great question. Like, or just, like... Throw it like throw anyway, it out. No, anyway. don't worry about it. Maybe Fine. every day they have to do that. This sure. is sure two hundred pounds day. a day move through the year pool. Um, so Rachel actually almost shoots a guy with her Dracon beam, and like it's like she's very close quarters, and she doesn't do it right away. She like she's she understands the like you don't just like she's never shot someone before with the, with a Dracon beam. She's never shot someone before, and it's like one on one. Um, but she sort of misses a little bit it ricochets back off she is able to claim that he shot her mm-hmm. so she gets away with it there's chaos um cassie finds her the two of them sneak into food storage they find marco uh who is in girl like just chilling the best, yeah the best intro i've ever heard i think is that they <laughs> they sneak into food storage open a pantry and marco the gorilla is sitting on a bunch of boxes just eating a banana in this closet <laughs> Just hanging out. Marco. Because yeah. <laughs> um, he, was, he was trying to find everyone and he yeah. was responding. It's like, okay, um, fine, I'll have my own party with bananas in the closet. Don't worry about me. So I meanwhile, so- meanwhile, uh, Mr. Three gets here, I think. Yeah. Meanwhile- Mr. Three shows up in his little ship. He, like, comes down. He's basically yelling at everyone to shape up and he he explicitly orders them all like you can't move like if i see someone move i will kill them hold very still i've brought new hork bajir anybody could be an andalite we gotta check you all over and this is why rachel starts this chaos which yeah. is, it lets her run away so um in the closet um she marco and cassie are trying to figure out what to do and, and rachel's like there's a bunch of oatmeal in that storage closet uh, in storage shed over there um we have to get out and get to it and marco's like it's like 20 feet away we could just go through the wall <laughs> <laughs> so they all morph into battle morphs and rachel the elephant pushes pushes through the wall of the thing they're in they go over to the shed knock that over um rachel grabs a barrel of oatmeal because they put it into barrels for convenience um, she, and she tries to toss it in the pool because at this point things are so chaotic they don't know where jake is they axe is definitely captured um so she just throws the barrel into the yurk pool, but it doesn't it doesn't open because it's a barrel. It's a barrel, <laughs> right? This isn't a convenient video game barrel where the slightest touch breaks it apart. <laughs> um, Marco is in gorilla morph, so he's able to hold the Dracon beam um, with his little gorilla hand. 
Um, Visitor 3 is there. They have a standoff um, where Marco is aiming the Dracon beam at the barrel in the Yurk pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and Visitor 3 is like, so you're just going to, like, you're going to leverage this, which will only affect, like, the 500 yeah, Yurks that are in the some, pool. He does some brutal math in his oh, voice yeah. of silky menace where he's like, <laughs> "There's a, yeah, also, yeah, silky menace, silky. great description. It's silky. Um he does, he breaks down, like, there's only a thousand Yerks in there. Yeah. At worst, it could maybe get 500 of them before we clean it out. So you yeah. can, like, Rachel watches, like, the wheels turning in yeah. his head, essentially, as he writes off 500 of his own people. He just yeah. doesn't care about them. Like, that's not a sacrifice that matters to him. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, and she she literally goes, he doesn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he does oh, care wait, about one thing. Oh, wait, he does care about one thing. <laughs> she picks him up with her elephant trunk, and he's, like, slashing away at her, but she picks him up with her elephant trunk and dunks him in to the, the <laughs> pool. Like, and throws Marco... him. This elephant throws Mr. <laughs> yeah. Three into the pool. Um, and he's in the York pool, and apparently he can't get up right away, because that gives the Animorphs, the, the Animorphs we have so far, which I guess Jake and, um... I think Jake and Axe are able to get away because all of the other controllers are like, what do we do? Right, they're all like, man, I think Rachel even he comments, if a move. single, right, if a single one of them had been willing to go against Visser Three's orders, like, this would all be over, but they're so frightened of his absolute control yeah. that they're just, like, frozen in place. <laughs> um, so they're able to, all of them, get back together and sort of head towards the stairs, um, and head up a little bit, and Marco is still aimed at the pool. They don't really want to shoot it at this point, because I think they're still they're still wrestling with that idea, but right. Visor 3 is starting to move, he's starting to morph, because he's an, if he's in the pool as an Andalite, he'll have he'll to... He'll eat the oatmeal through it. his hooves? Yeah. So Which, does that mean Andalites are always eating, no matter what surface they're standing on? But in Andalite Chronicles, there's a part where Elfanger was stepping on blood, and he was saying, oh, I closed my hoof mouth, or whatever. Like, he closes something, because he was huh. saying he was able to step on blood without Right, having without to, having to eat it. But maybe, I don't know, maybe that only I mean, does so much. I mean, I could totally buy that, that the kids don't know that. Yeah. But Visto 3 seems very concerned, yeah. and he can't get up, so I guess the York Pool is so big that he, even in Andalite Morph, he can't just get Walk out of Walk on it the right bottom away? of it to get out. Like, I mean, I he's got he's got little tiny arms. How would they swim? Would they like doggy paddle with their tiny <laughs> T Rex arms and just like kick their little deer feet? I guess all this time I had thought of the York pool as like um like a kiddie pool. Yeah, like two or three feet deep, just very wide. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's if deep. there's like a thousand Yorks in there, it might be pretty deep. Yeah, I get like because like Rachel was drowning, but she was in a bat morph. But right. then she's able to demorph without being seen, mostly underwater. So I guess. Anyway, so maybe Mr. maybe the Yerk pool is always more horrible than we think it is, yeah. and part of that means it's just bigger. It's just bigger and worse. Yeah. Just bigger all around. Yep. Um, bigger so thrills, three... bigger chills, bigger terror. <laughs> so Mr. 3 is morphing into some kind of pterodactyl with quills. Sure. <laughs> and the kids are kind of going up the stairs, but it's a long staircase, and they can see him demorphing, and like the hork- there's Horkbajir coming at them from the other side of the stairs. Marco ends up shooting the barrel i believe yeah. um because to try to buy them some time yeah um like there's no other choice and i, I was sort of frustrated that it was marco who sh- i mean it makes sense that marco had to shoot because he was he's only a gorilla hands. yeah um but it i kind of wished it had been rachel because she's a narrator like i right. wish it had been we'd seen her wrestle with it yeah. yeah um because clearly marco must have been doing the math on should i do this like what should i do in this right. situation um but I don't know how else they could have done it, because if Rachel was a human, that would have been trouble for them. Right. Um, Except, 
like in the next minute, Rachel's demorphing because when she threw Visser three in the pool, he basically yeah. cut her eye out, which is awful and gross and terrible. Yeah. Um. So she now has hold of the Draken beam, and they're trying to come up with like, how do we get out of here? The Horkvadir are cornering us. Visser three is about to hit us. Um. So Rachel starts screaming, "Mole." <laughs> go mole mole and shoots the roof of the yerk pool with the draken beam on max settings yeah and in the previous segments with the mole they were all like feeling sick about morphing this creature that has to go into this claustrophobic hole in the earth and hopefully not suffocate mm-hmm. um which pays off because now they all have to quickly they morph have to a mole. They buried alive, yeah. Dig up through, like, they know it took a long time. They took, know it took days to dig down. When they dig up, they have to, like, Rachel said at one point she had to demorph. Like, she had to dig a hole big enough for her to demorph, demorph, remorph, and keep going. Mm-hmm. Which is horrifying, but I also think that as soon as they got that mole morph, I was like, but they can, moles can dig. Like, <laughs> you'll be okay. Like, yeah. I, I, I guess maybe moles can suffocate underground, but they can dig a tunnel, so you're right. not completely... Anyway, so they, they dig their way up, and it's horrific, um, but they're alive, and they yeah, have it to... it takes them, like, hours. They all meet in the back yeah. cave. Tobias is the last one to make it yeah. in, and Rachel's, like, yelling at him, like, where were you? And Aww. he's just calmly, like, smiling in his thought-speak voice to tell her he was worried about her, too, Aww. which is very sweet. And then they have to fly away as bats, and they join, basically, it's it's... Uh, Twilight is when the bats, I yeah. guess, fly out. And they join the f- giant cloud of bats flying out of the cave. Um, and we get the epilogue, where we find out that Rachel did one last thing at the end of the day. Because um, the next day, Rachel's mom is saying, like, oh, um, George Edelman escaped. Um, we found, like, apparently, according to the people at the mental health facility, um, a grizzly, like, he claims, like, or other people claim a grizzly bear knocked down the wall. And, f- and like, mentally talked to him and told him to just get out of just there. Just get out of there. It had a bad day. That's so that's so weird. Like that <laughs> can't be real. Um <laughs> so Edelman's alive, but he's I guess on the streets, which is also not a great time. Mm-hmm. But he's not in that place anymore, so I guess that's good. Um Right. In and... this in this case, like I'm willing I'm willing to buy this a little more because he explicitly stated to her earlier in yeah. the book like I will be anywhere. Anywhere that is yeah. not here is better Yeah, for him. Yeah, so I was like, I guess that's good. Like, I'm glad we got closure for him. Yeah. Um, we also find out that Marco came to Rachel's house and dropped off all of the oil. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> His dad made him get rid of the, like, however many pounds or barrels, I guess it comes in barrels, <laughs> that he'd hoarded. Um, also, like, Jordan, the Jordan <laughs> still thinks Marco is really cute, which I'm just delighted by. She also refers to him as Marco. Marco, <laughs> yeah. He left you a bunch of oatmeal. <laughs> um, she was such a good, annoying little sister yeah. in this book. In the like two scenes we saw her, she stole those scenes. Um, and then yeah, the book ends with that like weird, um, weird line about um, if you see, if you see a man um, talking to himself, acting a little weird, if you can. If you're comfortable with it, you should maybe give them some change because you don't know what their, like, deal is or what they're dealing with. Um, which is, like, a nice sentiment, but like yeah. I said, I feel weird about it being just kind of put at the end Yeah, it, does, it doesn't feel earned based on the tone of the rest of the book. Yeah. Because so, so much of the rest of it was so lighthearted and superficial. Um, it just, it was a sudden change in tone. And I'm with you, like, that's, that's a good sentiment and I'm yeah. glad it's there, it's, but I wish it had been built up to a little more. 
Especially since, like, we omitted all of the jokes Yeah, about. oh my god, there are pages and pages and pages. Of, like, you'd have to be nuts to think that. Or, like, if you... Like, what do we, what do we know about being nuts? We morph animals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, like, it really wasn't really that funny the first couple times. And then it keeps happening. It keeps, um, keeps happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So, um, and I, I loved them going to the mall. I loved them. Um, like, there were some really, there were some high points in this book. Yes. Um, so, that was just a thing I had trouble with. But I am glad that Edelman's... Like in a better place than he was in the beginning of the book. Me too, me too. And I, I, I guess we don't really. Part of me wonders. I don't know if the oatmeal comes back again. If there's going to be know. some kind of further refinement of this, I, I can't call it a technique of this rough and ready. <laughs> like, okay, you're you're going to starve. Here's the alternative. Like, just eat this oatmeal. It's fine. Like um, I wonder. Like I mean, we, it seemed like within the Yurk ranks, it was sort of creating a an a uh, division because yeah. like some of the Yurks apparently had been like they had had this contraband that they were not supposed to have so and i mean it, it Yurks get addicted to it so i don't know if that would create resentment within the Yurk ranks or something or create like like they're not as unified but mm-hmm. i don't know if that's going to come back or if that's just <laughs> we'll find out i guess we'll find we'll out we'll find out we'll find out if oatmeal sales skyrocket of this one particular flavor <laughs> I just maple ginger sounds like a bad combo to me. Yeah, yeah. But what do I know? I'm not, I'm not a chef. I'm not an oatmeal connoisseur. <laughs> um. So the next book is book eighteen. Mm-hmm. It's the decision, and it's an axe book. Axe. Axe. I'm excited. I think I think this one has a mosquito on the cover. And oh. What oh I remember no. about the mosquito book is that it's the the one where we learn about weird mass limits on morphing, and they like maybe Ooh. go to Z space. Ooh, so okay. I don't know. This could be this could be another wacky sci-fi romp, or <laughs> it could be horrifying, or you know, probably both. God, I I need a wacky sci-fi romp. Me too. At this point. <laughs> Me too. It's okay. After that, after that, I think we're gonna read Megamorphs after book eighteen, which okay, I yeah. know is the dinosaurs book. So I'm stoked. <laughs> as soon as Visitor Three was morphing his um, pterodactyl with quills, that, like like they couldn't quite describe it. I was like, does this? Did he? Did he get a? I don't remember the di- the dinosaur book. Did that mean that he went back in time and came back? And then we're gonna see how he got. No, no, not oh, at all. Oh. <laughs> I don't think so. I do not believe so. Oh man, um, Mister Three is dark past. We didn't get much Mister Three in this book. He was too competent. He yeah. wasn't. He wasn't a goof man in this I know. book. No, he really. He only had that, <laughs> that single menacing speech. But who knows? Maybe next one we'll get him back Maybe eventually. Next one. Um. So you can follow us on Twitter at, at @morphclubcast. Um, you can chat using the hashtag #morphclubcast. You can also find us on Facebook uh, if you search for surprise Morph Club Cast. <laughs> Join us in the Morph Club Clubhouse. Um, oh, also we saw uh, like a hand like couple people oh, when yeah. you're in Boston. Oh, oh, that totally that made my whole weekend. That was just yeah. the best thing. We got to talk to a couple of folks while we're at the Adventure Zone live show and the Bim Bam live show about Morph Club Cast. So thank you. That was the yeah. sweetest thing. I think I missed one or two of them because I just was, like, not in the right place at the right time. But I'm so glad. Like, mm-hmm. that, that like, made our weekend. That, it like, really anyone, did. There were real humans who yeah. listened to us. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice to put a face to a, face to a Twitter avatar to a name. Oh, man. And we were gifted with um, Animorph books by yes. um, 
by Dante by Dante slash Lucas um, and terrible mixed surviving the world uh, an excellent web comic um, and I'm I have it on my bookcase and yeah. I'm so glad to have an actual Animorphs book in my life that was so nice yeah. Um, so yeah we we had I mean it was a good weekend already because <laughs> yep. of Adventures on and Bim Bam but I I was really glad and I wanted to say thank you to people who came yeah up and said hi yeah to us. really that was incredibly kind and thoughtful of you so thank you. Um, so yeah, um, this has been Morph Club. We'll see you next time. Um, I'm Megan. I'm Carrie. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.